so I'm joined here with Eduardo Porter, uh, who wrote an article titled uh, Tax Plan Aims to Slay a Reagan Target, the Garment Beast, and this is a conversation about the Republican strategy, I guess you could call it, of Starve the Beast. And so in the last line of your article, Mr. Porter, you, you mentioned Republican efforts to starve the beast imagine state governments falling in line with federal austerity. But as wages stagnate, inequality widens, and new social challenges like opioid addiction arise, that seems at odds with what the moment calls for. I mean, would you mind like elaborating on that last line and like maybe just give your general thoughts of like starving the beast today? Well, the idea in that line is that the Amer- that the strategy that has deprived the, the government of resources to address things like the opioid epidemic and the lack of opportunity of many of its people um, and the dismal living conditions in many of its its, its towns and cities uh, uh, um, has ultimately hurt the republic. It hurt American citizens. I mean, we are. I don't know if I mentioned this at some point in the piece, but we are the stingiest of the rich countries in terms of, right. of what our, our public sector does to help the more vulnerable. And so uh, that's ultimately what I'm critical of, and that's what I think the, the starve the beast strategy ultimately led us to, was to be you know the stingiest rich country in terms of what we do for our citizens. And I think what you wrote in the article, which I thought was really interesting, was kind of talk about the ingenuity of the states and how sometimes what the states do with their funding can translate to the federal government. And I think we've often seen Star of the Beast as a federal problem, but do you think it's as much of a federal problem as it is a local and state problem? Because I think this is in relation to the Trump tax plan, mm-hmm. where, you know, I think it's mentioned here, where, you know, basically you can no longer get uh, rebates for paying your... Um, yeah, the SALT deduction, yeah, the state the and local tax deduction. You can no longer get that. Um, well, that will curtail the ability of states. I mean, they, who wrote that line that the states were the laboratories of democracy? And that's where we could uh, um, experiment with different approaches to social and economic policy. And if they work, well, presumably they would spread and, and they could become national. Um, the, the elimination of the SALT deduction, which means that you can no longer deduct your state and local taxes from your federal, federal uh, income taxes, means that it's going to become more difficult for states and localities to raise taxes of their own. Right. And so it'll become much more difficult for them to actually implement you know, new and interesting policies. Uh, that was seen um, as an attack by a Republican federal government against uh, uh, blue democratic states, which are the ones that tend to tax at the highest level uh, to fund uh, state and local programs. And you mentioned in the article how Star of the Beast almost seemed like a gone, like almost a forgotten topic for the Republican Party. It kind of seemed that with Trump especially coming to office, it was becoming more of a populist mm-hmm. um, party, which kind of, you know, Starving the beast isn't very conducive to being populist. You could argue. Yeah. I mean, did did this come as a surprise to you? Like, did this, did the that part of the tax bill surprise you, or do you think there's always been this kind of, you know, background idea of you know we're going to starve the beast eventually? I mean, I think the starve the be- the starve the beast was a tactic, or, or uh, um, I mean, perhaps more than that, but it was a means to an end. The, the end was to reduce the size of government and reduce, you know, and, 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 and limit, constrain government action. And this was a way to do it, deprive it of money right. by, by cutting taxes. Right. And if, those ta- if, if, if the cutting taxes created enormous deficits, 
who cares? That would ultimately force a government to cut spending. Right. Um, that was a very different. That was very different from the Republican strategy before Reagan, which was very, very worried about the deficit. Mm -hmm. And so you would have earlier Republicans that were actually willing to raise taxes in order to combat budget deficits. Um, and and then they felt, well, we're in a losing battle because they did not really like higher taxes. They did not really like higher government spending, but they feared the deficit so much that they would act, acquiesce and, and raise taxes. You remember George H.W. Bush, who's, who breaks his promise he, when he's running. He says, read my lips, no more taxes. Then he raises taxes, and he was creamed at the, in the next uh, election. Right. So this is an, uh, the, the, the strategy becomes, okay, we'll just cut taxes. We will stop caring about the deficit. We'll cut taxes, and spending will follow. Now, I think I, I, I read when I wrote this in 2017, right. I felt that we were going down that path because um, um, Trump was also talking about cutting Medicaid spending, right. allowing states to introduce all sorts of requirements to reduce Medicaid spending. So it seemed like very much within that frame. Uh, but since then, uh, Trump kind of like turned on a dime and became a big spending Republican, which is a weird kind right. of like figure. Weird phenomenon. Um, you know, yeah. I, 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 my guess is it was COVID helped this happen, you know, that we were in suddenly this national emergency. But the, the, the package, which was it, what was it called? The... Uh, the CARES Act, right, right. which passed in 2020, was immensely, it was humongous. It was right. unprecedentedly big. I, I never, I, I don't think ever, ever had there been, not even in, 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 the, in the, the era of the New Deal, had there been a bill uh, uh, um, so, so large to basically to help the people that were being, that were being uh, uh, taken down by, by COVID and its economic consequences. So suddenly you have this, Evidently, this wasn't kind of like an, this didn't fit within the standard Star of the Beast right. kind of uh, a frame. So, but that just tells you that Trump was a very unique politician. Right. Uh, Trump is not your standard Republican guy, and that also makes me wonder: Well, if the if the if the party moves more permanently in the Trumpian direction, right? I'm guessing that. Um, that it will have a that the component of government spending is likely going to be a lot greater than it was right. in the you know from Reagan through 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 Trump. Um, um, so yeah, we're in a very different political moment, and, I, and given that I have no clue in which direction the Republican Party is going to end right. up going. Do you think it's in a bit of a standstill at the moment? Or? No, I think it's in a, a big of, of turmoil because yeah. um, a lot of people that only a few years ago were calling Trump a, a, a horrible creature that could never <laughs> right. you know, represent the Republican Party are now falling in line behind him. And so how that is going to play out, right. um, there's, a, there's a very good piece by Tom Edsel in today's paper about this idea of what might be happening to American politics. Um, is you know is the Republican Party going to follow Trump, and what does that mean, uh, in for for American political institutions, is uh, interesting. But the idea, the the idea, the, this this kind of like strategy to reduce the size of government, um, it's not clear to me that that's going to be the the prevailing strategy right. uh, of the Republican Party. Um, going forward, right. because I think it doesn't know. I mean, I th it's in a weird place, and it's hard to read. So we Biden recently passed the Build Back Better plan mm -hmm. and the Social Security. Safety. Well, no, we don't have the Build Back. Sorry, Better plan. not yet, not yet, yeah. but it, yeah. it's it's getting there eventually. Yeah, we hope. Yeah, yeah. we hope. Yeah. Um, 
I guess my question would be, since your point, like, what's the future platform of the Republican Party? Do you see them attacking this large amount of spending? And oh, yeah, coming, if it's Biden like, that's proposing it? 2022, 2024, like, you know, this uh, next year, and then also when they, in the presidential elections, what role do you see, maybe not Star of the Beast exactly, but the principle surrounding Star of the Beast? Well, the thing is that we've had, the Republicans have constituencies, right? There's not, a, it's not one thing. Right. Um, and y- you have um, um, corporate business interests and that are very much against higher taxes, very much for lower taxes, and hence for less government spending. Right. And well, those those interests are still very much there. To what extent they will be comfortable with a Republican Party moving into a more profligate, if you will, direction into mm, yeah. um, is is absolutely unclear uh, to me. And and then also, I'm not sure of the whether this new block that seems to be forming around the President Donald Trump. I'm it's it's absolutely unclear to me what their economic policies are right. other than, you know, uh, um, that a few slogans about nationalism, about bringing back jobs, about because in practice it doesn't really happen under Trump. I mean, he did slap some tariffs on Chinese and on, on, on European imports um, as well. There wasn't a real wholesale strategy um, to improve the lives of uh, blue-collar workers, which seemed, which if you'd hear his speeches at the during his campaign, that's what you would have, yeah. you would have taken out of it. It, it wasn't there. Um, his big policy was a tax cut that m- pretty much mostly benefited the rich, and so you could say, well, this is just standard Republican policy making, couched in different language. But then you had the 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 response to COVID, which right. is totally uh, in, in in a to, in a totally different direction. So it's it's hard for me. I haven't thought about it enough to to be to be confident that I know what would an economic policy uh, um, of this new reconfigured Republican Party look like. You know? Right. And so maybe not looking into the future, but looking into the past. Do you think it was? Trump and his, you know, cabinet or, you know, and his policies that really drove this new way of Republican thinking? Or was it kind of, you know, it was almost like a, like about time that they they maybe realized that the, the ethos of we're going to, you know, cut down taxes, the government's going to become less involved, the government's going to become smaller. Because I was talking, I don't know if you're familiar with Clay Risen. He also writes for the New York Times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clay. And he, he talked a lot about like the irrationality of voters mm-hmm. and how the Republicans are a bit better at playing on that rationality because mm-hmm. people who vote Republican want low taxes, but they also still want their Medicaid. Mm-hmm. They don't really care that there's going to be a big deficit. They only care, they only see the size of the government by the amount, like the amount they're getting taxed. And so... Do you think it was a? Do you think it was Trump who kind of played on that irrationality, or was it the Republican Party kind of realizing with you know Romney and um, you know the other candidates that it's kind of we've almost tried to play too much logic? Does that make sense? 
Well, let me let me let me try to disentangle. Yeah. First, on just on Romney, Romney is standard old style Republican. Right, he right. was the takers and the makers was his thing. You know, I'm of the makers; those are the takers. Takers are the people who are on Medicaid and. Right. And, but on the irrationality point, I think it's even crazier than what you just described. I was in Harlan, Kentucky, super red. I mean, it was a super blue place at the mining union, famous, strong uh, un uh, union fights back there in, in, in Kentucky and Appala in Appalachia. Um, and I was there a couple of years ago. And um, it's one of the poorest counties in the country. M on average, more than half of the income of the residents of this county comes from the federal government. Wow. Be it through Medicaid, food stamps, Social Security, you know, comes from the feds, more than half. Okay, I was at a town hall meeting with a governor. The governor was a Tea Party dude, Matt Bevin. He was a prior governor. And he, everybody in that room, everybody in that room was either on Medicare or Medicaid. Right. I mean, literally. And he railed against Medicaid and everybody got up and clapped. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay, so it's, he crazy. was saying Medicaid is, we, is abused, you know, why should we be paying for Medicaid with our taxes for some, you know, lazy bum to, to take advantage of? And people, people who were on Medicaid were clapping. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think there's a, an objective part and a Trumpian political savvy part right. to this. The objective part was it, it, it had been a very, very long time where, uh, um, and I'm not talking about the poorest, most disenfranchised American, but poor, like kind of like workers at the median, right, were seeing very little progress in terms of their income compared to, to, to yeah. 20, yeah. 30 years yeah. ago. It it was flat. That looked the idea of opportunity was very different. Two, and I think this is way overlooked. The, the country is changing ethnically and culturally in a very, very big way. Okay. So a lot of the white folks in the Midwest who were used to, who grew up in the 1950s where everybody was white and you had a, and everybody roughly kind of like went to the same church and had this sort of like same set of values. They perceive a country that's changing very, very much culturally in a way that makes them uncomfortable, that feels like, you know, they're going to lose political power. Right. They're losing the country. To the, they're, yeah. they're losing the country. So it wasn't just an economic thing, but there right. was a great sense of malaise over change right. by a large. So there, that's, I think, the objective change in the culture that Trump sees and he's very clever about. He, he reads this very well. And he caters his message about, like, these rapist Mexicans that are coming across the border that's not about economics. That's about, you know, fear. Of yeah. the, so, and also your jobs are being taken away by the Chinese. So he meshed this, all this change that made into, into, a, into an appeal. And I don't think he had a real underlying, like, clear economic strategy, but he was extremely smart about reading where, you know, white, blue-collar Americans with no college were. Right. And I think not to over speculate but i mean if it weren't for covid what do you think the platform yeah. of trump would have been yeah that's interesting in i 2020? mean 2020 i think i think if <laughs> not for covid trump may well have won. yeah i think that's yeah um but um 
yeah, it, maybe we'd we'd still be talking about is Trump a star of the beaster? You know, right. maybe we because he w- I remember he was talking about cutting funding for Medicaid. Uh, or a lot actually, because Medicaid states get to to create the rules, so it was very much about about allowing states to make it more difficult to access Medicaid um, and food stamps as well. So I could see that that might have been the direction this would have kept on going. Right. Um, like we would have seen the, the Trump that we saw all the way up until COVID would have been the Trump the la- of the last year uh, of COVID. And he probably would have won because the economy was doing well and employment was going down. Right. Um, and, and so I, I, could have, I could have seen him win. But, but yeah, COVID changed that and moved us in a different direction. I mean, I don't even think Biden would have a proposal like this if were it not for COVID. The, right. the, the, the ambition... Right, just the 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 tab on what Biden is proposing is humongous as well, and and I don't think he would be doing anything like that were it not were it not for his reading that COVID opens political space uh, to do this kind of thing. So on that note, do you think the Republicans almost tripped over themselves by passing this CARES Act to almost set a president like when when like it's needed, we will spend trillions of dollars. Well, when that and that maybe gave some space for the build build back better. I think, I, I think to some I think I think to some extent that's right. It opened space for Biden. Yeah. Um, but th- let's think the other thing that came with the sta- the tax the beast, the tax the beast, uh, starve the beast. Right. The other the other um, kind of like messaging uh, that came with that was the idea of demonizing recipients of public programs. Right. So. Right around the same time, Reagan is the, the the idea of the welfare queen becomes she becomes an important trope in the conversation about, about and which is a like an antagonist to the Republicans. It's yeah, the yeah. welfare queen. I mean, she was literally a black woman who was claiming social security under three different social security numbers, and she actually this person actually existed, um, and she drove a big car, and you know, and so this was so Reagan used her as the representative of who gets public benefits. Yeah, yeah. And so it's, you're, you're A, you're not white, so, right? right. So it's straight an appeal to, to white taxpayers. Oh yeah, your, your, tax, your taxes are being squandered by giving them to non-white lazy bums that mm. don't deserve it. So that argument, COVID kind of like undercuts that. Yeah. Because COVID is like, Gosh, it's like, but the grace of for the yeah. grace of God go I. You know, it's like yeah. it came from a from the sky, and right. so it's very difficult to say this. We can't give money to these folks because they're lazy bums and they deserve right. what they get. They, it's COVID. Yeah, and so that that changes the the messaging around the that was all around the star of the beast uh, uh, strategy. Yeah, um, and, and and so. Uh, it, I, I think it would it would have been difficult for Trump because Trump wanted to be reelected for Trump not to do something like this right. because he was seeing you know the economy going into freefall. It's kind of doing it was something. kind of his war, wasn't it? I think that's like how people were describing yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That was my interview with Eduardo Porter of the New York Times. I hope you enjoyed, and please check out the other episodes within the Star of the Beast collection. Thank you. Bye bye.